turned down. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, the son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Notice it doesn't say for God shall save he. So indeed he is the Jehovah of the name Jesus. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet who is Isaiah saying, Isaiah 7.14 Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us or literally from the front to the end of the name Emmanuel with us is God. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Please pray with me. Lord, please bless us again in your word. We need the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and to change us into the image of Christ. And we pray that we would see that this is a spiritual exercise where we need Thee. We pray for help and love for Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. As you know, in the Bible, there are many ways in which God communicates His truth, whether it be history, whether it be prophecy, or parable, or epistle, or apocalyptic literature there are all kinds of what are called genres and we also see there are many biographies in God's word God gives us information about the lives of people their names and their birthplaces and their, their ministries their virtues and their vices so we can learn truth from biographies and being the Christmas season, I do like underdogs. I don't know if you like to root for underdogs when teams are playing, but I think an underdog in the Bible is a man that says absolutely nothing. I'm sure that you can guess important figures, not um, those that are vicious, but those who are virtuous, uh, that say absolutely nothing. You might have guessed Silas. Well, maybe we'll touch on his biography one day. Uh, I don't ever want to meet Silas and not really um, become have been, become acquainted with him in the Bible. Or even Timothy. Even in First and Second Timothy, we don't seem to have any quote from him at all where you have like Mark saying things in the Gospel and and uh, John and James and so on but Timothy and Silas 
say absolutely nothing. But we also have, you know, Joseph. Joseph is an underdog in the Bible. He's he's a he's someone that seems to take the background, but yet uh, there's absolutely there's there's a quite a sketch of Joseph if you follow the gospel account. I guess if we followed the life of Joseph, we'd start with him being a carpenter, being engaged to Mary, his reaction to Mary's uh, pregnancy, an angelic visit, the reception of Mary uh, after he had sought to put her away, the journey to Bethlehem, the naming of Jesus, being a parent of the Messiah, the visit of the Magi, his sojourn in Egypt, another angelic visit, his journey to Nazareth, his journey to Jerusalem. He seems like he journeys a lot, doesn't he? His searching and sorrowing for the lost child, lost son, fathering at least six, if not seven or more children, and his quiet, if you will, his quiet death. And we believe that the Bible at least infers Joseph's death. And so I call Joseph uh, the just, as the Bible says he was a just man. But I entitled this brief biography of quiet obedience. Joseph is the patron saint of quiet obedience. Perhaps you've met Christians in church, church here in the past maybe even in the present. They're more quiet, but they're obedient to the Lord. We have a treasure out back, don't we, that we could say was a patron saint of quiet obedience. It's been over 13 years that our brother, or 15 years that our brother Fred passed. But he was, uh, he certainly uh, pictured the saint that the proverb says, uh, is of few words, but the words that he spoke were really important. But Joseph says absolutely nothing, and yet his life speaks volumes, doesn't it? And so I just wanted to, th- to think about Joseph today being the husband of Mary and the stepfather of Jesus, and challenging us certainly to obedience of God's word, even if we don't understand uh, what what the meaning and what the outcome might be. But uh, Joseph was a privileged parent, wasn't he? Just like Mary was the privileged mother of Jesus. Can you imagine being the privileged stepfather of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the, of the Messiah? It'll be really interesting one to sit down with Joseph one day and ask him about the life of Jesus in the house, but also in the carpenter's shop. I'm sure that you know people have asked questions like, did Jesus ever injure himself? Did he ever break something? Uh, to break something, is that, would that constitute a sin? There are accidents, aren't there? And so Jesus was a human being. Uh, so we would conclude that he did have accidents. That um, his perfection does not mean that he never had an accident in, in, the, uh, in his workplace or in the home. But... Jesus was certainly a man of very quiet obedience, wasn't he? Of course, we only have 
his words at 12 years old. We have nothing else about Jesus' words from from his birth all the way up until the beginning of his ministry. And his first words in his ministry were quite significant, aren't they? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. But we find Joseph being an example of quiet obedience. But I say that he was obedient to the creation mandates. Um, in creation, we have the, the uh, institutions of religion, work, and marriage. And we might include the home as well. Uh, the Sabbath day is representative of religion. Adam had the Lord before he had Eve and before he had a job. Uh, Adam's first uh, encounter after his creation was with his Creator. What a blessing to spend time with the Lord. But Joseph, again, by inference, he took his son, he took his he, he took the journey three times a year to the public feast. It says, as was the custom, right, that he went to the, the Sabbath or the, uh, the the Passover feast. But it's giving us an example of the fact that Joseph was faithful in, in following you know, the Lord. and he, he was a man that, that was devoted to the Lord. Now, we're not told of his conversion, some, many Bible characters just come on the scene as believers but we know that every single individual needs to be born again except the Lord Jesus and so Joseph somewhere along the line was born again although that, that terminology was not used when he was alive but he was a believer he was a, a covenant um, member of, of the church he was uh, called Joseph, thou son of David. Now, there were many descendants of David that were not believers, but I don't recall a lost descendant just simply being told that you're a son of David. That was significant. That was indicative of he was a spiritual descendant, not just a physical descendant of David. So I think that's an indication, certainly, that that... He was a believer, and the fact that he would be chosen as the stepfather of the Messiah also is indicative that he was a believer. Although many Christians are challenged with one or two unsaved parents, I do believe that Joseph's or Jesus' parents, uh, Mary, his, his mother, and his stepfather, were believers. Though we know that they also had the challenge that many have of unsaved children. I'm not even sure if Joseph ever got to see any of his children converted because we know that he was passed away. He was dead before Jesus died. And Jesus' brothers were not converted until sometime after the resurrection. So Joseph and Mary had the challenge of unsaved children for 20 plus years. So let that be an encouragement to you if you're listening you have lost children and they wonder how is it that is there something wrong with my testimony that I have lost children and I'm trying to live for the Lord well Joseph and Mary were godly parents and uh, salvation's of the Lord and we have to commit our children to Him and continue to point them to Christ pray for their salvation but you can't 
You can't, as someone said, you can't scold people into salvation. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. But I confess that at times, especially as I look back, that so many of my sermons were, were scolding messages instead of just letting God's Word speak and touch hearts. And I'm hoping, I hope that I've, I've been, I'm learning to let the Bible speak and not and, and you know, you, you, yes, we should have zeal and we should have enthusiasm, but that so often we can have wildfire instead of you know, fire that's contained. You know, a wildfire destroys, but a contained fire uh, cooks our food and warms our bodies. But Joseph certainly was privileged to be a, a stepfather, but he was a man of God. He uh, attended these public feasts, and no doubt he attended. The, uh, the local synagogue in Nazareth uh, and led his family. Now it does say that Jesus, as his habit was, went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, but who did he learn that from? His, his deity did not always um, teach his humanity. He had to increase in wisdom and in, in knowledge. And, and uh, Joseph and Mary taught Jesus the truth. They taught him godly habits. And Jesus knew that he was going to be in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There was no question about it. And thank the Lord for those who have Christian parents and they can say, all my life, there was no question where we were going to be when the doors were open, when public worship was offered. And the same goes, by the way, for the next Sunday. We don't let our traditions change the biblical mandates biblical mandates change our traditions and what we can say is next week is a Christmas Sabbath it's, it's the Lord's Day and we meet uh, no matter what human tradition is we, God's word decide, makes, you know, decides what our practice is so you have religion is obedience to the creation institution you have work he was a carpenter that speaks volumes that he, he learned a trade and he was faithful. He, didn't, he must not have made a whole lot of money because uh, he had a lot of children. That's okay, right? Um, some people can't have two vehicles for, until their children are old enough to get their own jobs. And if we were a one-vehicle family for about for over ten years, but um, he was faithful to teach his children trades. Now we don't know if if the other four sons were carpenters or well, they probably were. Um, someone had to take over when Jesus went into his full time ministry, but Joseph had a good work ethic. He worked by the sweat of his his face, and he again was obedient, quiet obedience. Someone who works hard is obedient to God. In that sense, even an unsaved person who works hard is doing what is the will of God for man. Though we know that nothing can earn our salvation, it's still um, we can commend unsaved people for being good workers and uh, benefit from their expertise. As Jesus asked the woman for a drink of water, he was benefiting from her habit of pulling water from the well. Sometimes we're too proud to ask a 
person for help and for aid. And yet it's a way of interacting with people and showing that we respect their skills and we respect their, their labor. So he was a man who obeyed the creation mandate of work. And of course marriage. He, he was espoused to marry. We don't quite understand isn't, there isn't an equal parallel because normally people that are espoused now do not live with their espoused um, person. And it seemed like Mary was with Joseph while she was espoused, but um, being engaged, if you, if you broke off an engagement, the Bible seems to recognize it as a divorce, where we would recognize divorce as breaking off a marriage covenant. But nonetheless, you can see that, that he, he felt it was the will of God and it's naturally for most people to, 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 to marry in the will of God because the Lord wants to build His church from within and not just from without. And I think we're, we, we really are, are, are wrong in our day. Many are trying to have as few children as possible. And what are they trying to say? That... They, don't want, they want to see the world built and not so much the church. And it's just a sad thing that, that often Christians are selfish. They, they want their pleasures and, and pastimes rather than uh, building the church from, from within and through the home and, and sacrificing and working hard and not being able to have as much in the bank and maybe not able to have two vehicles or as large a house as they want, but, but that it is God's will still for us to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And that takes being married. And the Lord brought Eve to Adam. And so again, you have not only marriage, but Joseph and Mary having as many children as they could. Yes, Joseph and Mary were intimate. Yes, uh, Mary had other children. They had her and Joseph's DNA. The four brothers, can you remember their names? You had Joseph, at least the junior, maybe he was the third or the fourth, but you had Joseph, you had James, you had Judah, and you had Simeon, right, Simon. And then it says all his sisters. And so all speaks more than two. So my guess is that there were at least eight in the family. Certainly, it's a happy family, isn't it? Should be anyway. It's so rare to see families more than you know one or two children. And if that's the will of God, and, and we can't have any more, then fine. But I believe that we're really disobeying God's mandate by by um, determining by our own wills how many children we're going to have. We need to say, Lord, what is Your will? Let me submit to how many God provides. And if God provides eight, He's going to provide food to feed eight. And that doesn't mean we're going to beg uh, beg of others. But I'm getting off the trail here. But Joseph just shows quiet obedience and just the creation mandates. And that's, again, that speaks volumes of submitting to God's will and respecting God's way of things. And I, I did mention that he was obedient to the gospel. Though there was no record record of his conversion, he is again called the son of David. And uh, there's a hint here of the Davidic line of saints, not just the Davidic line to the Messiah. And uh, 
don't know if he was saved as a child or as, as, a, as a young person or later on, but he does give indications of just a quiet submission to God's will. And we're no, there's no doubt there was sanctification, that he was growing in the Lord because when he determined to put Mary away because he thought that she was immoral, it says he was a just man. Now that doesn't. I don't think that that's saying he was justified. I don't think it's a forensic term, a legal term. I think it's talking about moral righteousness that he was a just man. In other words, he was he was holy. He was growing in grace. He was going on with the Lord. He wasn't stagnant. He wasn't living a backslidden life. Joseph was a man going on with God, and there's an example here. And the fact that he was submissive to God's will, though he didn't understand it, shows that he was maturing biblically, you know, spiritually. And a person that's growing in the Lord is, 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 is going to be receptive to the will of God, even if he cannot understand it or see his way very far into it. He's just going to say, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And so, um, I don't think that Joseph, I don't think that Mary, was silent about her pregnancy. We're not giving that information either, but Mary wasn't just absolutely quiet. I'm sure that when Joseph discovered that she was, you know, she stayed long enough with Elizabeth, um, and when she left after three months, she was starting to show. And I don't know if Joseph understood it before or at the three-month point when she returned home, but I'm, I'm, obviously you have to, you have to imagine a conversation going on and Joseph just being very shocked and disappointed and sad and wanting to put her away privately but I'm sure that Mary protested and quietly said it's, it's, it's a miracle God appeared an angel appeared to me um, Gabriel and yet Joseph knew the ramifications so again can, do we blame Joseph for wanting to put Mary away um, no but we, I guess we wouldn't have blamed him if he wanted to keep her either because he wanted to believe her. The love believes all things, but just, um, I'm sure Mary wasn't saying at this point, Isaiah 7.14, Joseph, uh, a virgin shall bring forth a child. I mean, you, you want to think that Mary knew that much, but I don't think that was going on in the conversation between Joseph and Mary, although... I hope I can remember to ask if that conversation went on. Or if it went on later. Um, I'm sure it did because Joseph records that. Or I'm sorry, Matthew records uh, Isaiah 7.14. So somewhere along the line these things are being discussed. Even Jesus as he, as he showed in the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. And so all that conversation, all that matter went on among the disciples. Probably not at this point. But yet you see that Joseph wanted people to see that he respected God's word. Thou shalt not commit adultery and, and fornication regarding Mary, he was thinking. And, and so he felt like he needed to put her away. But he wasn't wrong to do it privately. I think the privately indicates not, maybe not even his mercy more than he wants to give her the benefit of the doubt. That she's saying... Not, I've not been unfaithful. I've not known a man. And Joseph just, you know, what is he to do at this point? 
he doesn't have a word from God yet. And I'm sure he's going to have a whole lot of words from people who know about it. Maybe they know about it now. And they're giving him an earful. And uh, it's going to affect his, his clientele. I mean, all these things are going on. And so he's torn. And so the privacy, I think, indicates that there was some belief in what Mary was saying. But the fact that he's going to put her away is also weighing on his family and his, his business and everything. So the man was just torn. But the Lord certainly intervened. But the fact that he is a righteous man, morally, indicates that he was born again. Because First John says, He that doeth righteousness is born of God. So Joseph was, no doubt, a believer in the Lord Jesus. Just again, a patron saint of quiet obedience. Is that, does that characterize you and me? Just quiet obedience. We don't have to let you know, sound, sound a horn, blow a trumpet, when we, when we do something for the Lord, we just are seeking to serve the Lord and not seeking any credit. and just want to do things to be seen of the Lord and not to be seen of men. And that's Joseph. That's Joseph. Obedient to the Scriptures. The reaction to the pregnancy. The angel's visit. That's what it took. He needed a word from God. They didn't have, you know, they didn't have Bibles in their houses. And uh, I'm not sure that the synagogue leaders and the teachers there could have given him an answer other than she's been unfaithful. I don't think that they were able to pull out Isaiah chapter 7. They would have had to roll out a scroll and find the, the, uh, the, the ink, not the references. And so, um, yeah, it, so it took an angelic visit. Look, Joseph, and, and he had, to, he had in, in a sense, it had to be in a dream. And that was kind of the Lord, too, because uh, Joseph needed a little bit of time to think it over. <coughs> but, look, what has happened to Mary is of the Lord. Just trust, trust God. And I want you to name the child Jesus. Jesus was a very common name. It's not like... Um, no one argued, obviously, as far as I can tell. The Bible doesn't tell us. No one argued like we did with John. No one in your family is named John. But Jesus was a common name, meaning Jehovah saves, Yahweh saves. And that is not a surprise to us, isn't it? Because Jesus is a Savior of all kinds of sinners. In a sense, He's a common Savior. Not that common sometimes means cheap, but a common water fountain is precious. When, when you're thirsty and, and uh, how much we appreciate water fountains when we're outside and, and uh, we're in a park or something. And the Lord Jesus brings a common salvation to all kinds of people, to, to nations, to all languages. And uh, it's just some, such a humble thing, such a kind thing of the Lord to give Him a, a name that people recognize Joshua Jesus saves but again they named him Jesus and when we give biblical names our children that we trust will point to the Lord they're not pointing to themselves but when Jesus was given that name the Bible says it's pointing to him he shall save his people from their sins it's not that when they see Jesus necessarily they'll be pointed away from Jesus to, to God 
but they'll actually be pointing to Jesus because he's the one that's going to be saving sinners. Jesus, when people came to him, didn't say, well, you got to go over there to find salvation. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He is indeed the Son of God. Think about his acceptance of the Magi. That must have been quite illuminating when the Magi came, and no doubt there were more than three. And they came to the house. You know, people have asked, well, the Magi are always given at the manger scene, but isn't it true that the Magi came later? And, and yes, the Magi did not come when Jesus was born. They came sometime after. <coughs> and we're given a hint because Herod kills the children that are two years younger. So, how do you put all that together? <coughs> I don't know, but I don't know why they were in Bethlehem. There's no reason given why they're in Bethlehem unless they made friends when Jesus was born two years before or a little bit earlier than that because they're from Nazareth. They didn't grow up in Bethlehem that I know of. Joseph may have or Mary. They're both from the Judah line. We're not given a reason. But the fact, you think about the fact that God brought Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem for the birth of Jesus. The Lord brought Joseph and Mary and Jesus to Bethlehem for the, for the Magi. Now, the Magi could have been led to Nazareth, but it was all in the will of God that the infants had, the, the children had to become the first martyrs. And it's, it's, it's inexplicable to us. People have asked, why would the Lord have little children suffer? Why are there cancer wards for children at Roswell? I don't know. God is good. The judge of all the earth shall do right. But he had them in Jerusalem for the Magi, for prophecy of of, uh, Rachel weeping for her children. And certainly Bethlehem was a lot closer to Egypt than Nazareth. So in that sense, the Lord was kind to have them uh, some, what, 60 miles or more. Days, they had a day less journey to Egypt from, from Bethlehem than from Nazareth. So there are, there are a few reasons we can give, but the fact that Joseph just quietly, no protest given of the Magi, dropping at the, at the child's feet. It's very clear that they did not worship Mary and they did not mar- worship Joseph. They married, it says, and they worshiped him. And again, you see the providence and the kindness of God. Have you ever had a need or, an, or a non-anticipated need and the Lord gave you something and then you got the need later and you said, well, now I know why the Lord gave me this gift. Well, Joseph and Mary were very poor. How are they going to afford a sojourn in Egypt? Gold and, gold, and, say gold and silver. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. And they may have more, more uh, metaphorical meanings, but certainly the gold was needed for that trip. I think anybody would, would be willing to exchange gold for whatever the commodity is, right? So they... 
he, he was there to see the, the worship of his of his stepson and quietly observe, and quietly learning about the deity of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and how obedient he was to, to flee to Egypt. And that wasn't an easy thing to go to a foreign land and to suspend your business operations. And remember, he didn't have sons yet old enough to take over his business. They weren't born yet. If they were, it doesn't say that they had a, a, another infant with them. And so Joseph had to trust the Lord that God was going to take care of his business. Because you remember, he, when he left Nazareth, he didn't say, hey, I won't be back for a few months. He didn't know he was going to leave Nazareth for a long time until he got to Bethlehem. So there's so much going on here just about Joseph's poise, his quiet obedience to the Lord when surprises come into his life that can really, can be shocking. So, you know, he's no doubt tempted to worry about his financial um, well-being and his business being still there when he got home. Uh, his journey back to Nazareth even God used the fear of one of Herod's uh, brothers being um, Tetrarch that Joseph was then moved to go back to Nazareth. So he was, he was apparently questioning to go back to his hometown because he probably felt that Jesus could easily be found there because Joseph and Mary were from Nazareth. You ever thought about why he was questioning whether he should return to Nazareth? But God... It made it clear that I'll protect you up in Nazareth. You don't have to worry about changing residences and changing places of your business. And then the journey to Jerusalem just speaks volumes. Again, Joseph was willing to leave his business with now probably the... Well, again, the children are still younger than 12. And so Joseph is trusting the Lord that the Lord is going to take care of his business while he's gone to these feasts quiet obedience quiet to the commandments of God be merciful to Mary commandment number 6 obedience to Caesar commandment number 5 commandment number 7 is marriage is faithfulness commandment number 6 is flight to Egypt to save the life of his son commandment number 8 living in Nazareth and uh, just being faithful in his business. Even commandment number five, searching and sorrowing for his lost son. It just occurred to me, it wasn't just Mary that was searching and sorrowing. Your father and I have been searching and sorrowing for you. It wasn't just Mary that had tenderness and affection. Sometimes it's it's the father that is the the cold one in the relationship and I'm afraid that often our children are raised with the cold male end of the family and the female end is the one that that they, that is, that they where they were able to have affection and love and kindness. And that shouldn't be in a Christian home, should it? We fathers should be affectionate. We fathers should care for our children and weep, not be ashamed of weeping, sorrowing, they were, they were searching diligently. They were, they were weeping, sorrowing for, for Jesus. They loved Him. They loved their children. And 
And I'm thankful for our wife that's affectionate. Our ladies are affectionate in our, in our congregation. And I do think that, that men need to step up with more affection kindness for, for our, our wives and our children and brothers and sisters in the Lord. So pray. Pray for our men. Pray for us that God would fill our hearts with His love. We won't be tin men. Joseph was not a tin man. No word of rebuke to Jesus. It was Mary that said things. Joseph, I think, just like Mary, took things to heart more than we realized. And then Joseph was willing to father, and I know there may have been a business thought to it, but willing to father James and Joseph and Judah and Simeon and Ruth, Esther and Sarah. Um, I'm sure if they're giving their son biblical names, I would assume that they probably gave their daughters biblical names, but of course, all his sisters. So what a happy family it must have been. Well, I want to say that with a little bit of a caution because it sounds like after a while they started to get a little bit jealous and uh, bitter about Jesus. At least that was in the hearts of his brothers. Because you know what it's like to be punished over and over again and your brother or sister doesn't get much. Um, it's probably because I deserved it. But you know, it wasn't Ted so much that Dad and Mom were yelling at him. It was Phil. But we're sinners. But Jesus wasn't a sinner in the home. Just, again, quiet, quiet obedience, quiet appearances, and then a quiet disappearance. We, we hear nothing of Joseph's death. We know it happened. How do we know it happened? Because it's the point of the man wants to die, and that's yes, but you know how it also, well, we can, we can, we can surmise. Jesus is called a carpenter's son early on in his ministry. What is he called at the tail end of his ministry? Carpenter. Now he's taken over. His father's gone. He's gone to glory. Be with the Lord. Left behind such a good example, didn't he? Are we going to leave behind a good example? We need to leave behind a legacy. Quiet obedience. Many other Many other um, character traits, virtues. Thank the Lord that all of us are are uh, building a an autobiography, a biography left behind. What does it say of the wicked? When they die, they'll be forgotten. And all of us, in a sense, will be forgotten. But I trust that we leave behind a legacy of godliness. My dad, my mom, my brother, my sister made me think more of Christ. Made me consider more of how I can be a holier person. Right? So thank the Lord for the testimony of Joseph. That it was the Lord that made Joseph what he was. Quiet obedience. Thank you, Lord, for the, auto, the biographies of your word and pray that we would learn to be like these godly saints, emulate their virtues. We've also left as vicious biographies. And, oh God, we pray that you would 
Deliver us from our vices. Forgive our sins. Help us, we pray, like Joseph, to to walk with you. To trust your word. To the examples of, of obedience and faith and love. Faithfulness. Lord, change us to be more like our Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.